Welcome to Conversations and Connections with HBA Canada, the podcast that gives you access to industry leaders and offers valuable insights for career growth. We will be bringing you monthly episodes that include interviews with influential leaders and HBA members from healthcare and the life sciences, where they will offer career insights and key lessons they've learned. We will also be bringing you discussions highlighting essential career topics like networking, mentorship, finance, and more. Our podcast gives HPA members a chance to learn and grow together in their careers and their personal lives. Be part of the conversation as we aim to achieve our goal of getting more women into leadership roles. So don't delay and join us. Welcome back to Conversations and Connections. I'm your host, Christina Bellier. Today, we have an extraordinary guest, Erica Wasserman, who is the CEO of Your Financial Therapist. Erica is a certified financial therapist, a certification held by only 30 people in the world. And she combines her extensive education in finance and international economics with her unwavering passion for helping others. Through your financial therapist, Erica empowers individuals, couples, and companies to reshape the way they think about money. Erica is also the creative mind behind Let's Talk About Finances, Baby, financial wellness conversation cards. These thought-provoking cards offer a unique way for people to explore the topic of money and gain valuable insights to their financial mindset. We are thrilled to have Erica as our guest today, and we're excited to dive deep into the world of financial therapy and gain valuable insights from her wealth of experience. Before we get started, I will make sure to link Erica's website and where to get the financial cards in the show notes. As well, I wanted to take a minute to let you know that she has a free quiz on her website that you can take to start your financial wellness journey. It takes no time. I took it before the show, got my details. It is so great and I highly recommend. So let's get started. Erica, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to explore this topic with you. Oh, me too. Anyone listening, definitely check out the website, click on the link. There is so much information and videos. I was so impressed of the information that you offer there. So I just wanted to get that out there. It is an awesome resource. Thanks. And the website is called uh, yourfinancialtherapist.com. So feel free to go over there. As you (laughs) mentioned, the quiz, thanks for the great plug. We're off to a great start. (laughs) Oh, for sure. And it was kind of fun. I was like, oh yeah, checks out, checks out. Cool. That's exactly what I thought. So no surprises. But so, you know, let's kind of really start back at the beginning. There's only 30 people in the world with your designation. So how did you become interested in combining finance, international economics, education with your passion? And I love the why, your passion for helping others. So what is the why? So I graduated with a degree in finance, University of Florida and went to go work in corporate America, what you do at a university. And I spent a decade in corporate America. And along the way, I moved to New York City, North Carolina, got married, and then moved overseas. And I had the opportunity to live in Japan for two years and China for another year while working as well, working for a global company. And I shifted more out of the finance role into really helping and working with people. Because that was my calling. I enjoy working with people. I enjoy seeing people strive, but I also have 
the brain for math. And people, some people laugh at me. I'm like, no, that was my favorite subject in high school. I really enjoyed math, which is why I went into finance. (laughs) So along the way, I had my first daughter in Japan. We moved back to the States. I had two more daughters rapidly. So I had three kids in three years and I was divorced by the fourth. So yes, so now I have three young children on my own as a single mom, left corporate America and started working with entrepreneurs to grow businesses. And I spent another decade in that gave me the flexibility to raise my kids, but also grow businesses. And it's interesting because the mindset of an entrepreneur is so different than corporate America. And when I'm able to work with different people who are creative and build their businesses, it was really special. Uh, for, unfortunately, also during this timeline, my dad passed away and my parents were in a traditional marriage of 50 years. And he and I had always bonded over money at 12 years old. I remember sitting next to him trading stocks. And so the end of life folder, I knew where it was and what was meant to be. What was the, the thinking behind this insurance policy or this stock? And so for the next, it's been five years is I sit with my mom and I've given her the confidence to understand what the money is about. So when I learned about financial therapy, the aha moment went off for me is this is my calling. And I guess I need to rewind for a minute is when I was going through my divorce, I found meditation and a friend turned me on to it. And Deepak Chopra, world renowned guy. And one of the things in meditation is you ask yourself three questions. Who am I? What am I? And what is my purpose? What's your dharma? And for me, my purpose was helping people go through life changes, taking the high road, because I had seemed to do that traveling overseas, moving nine times in 12 years, getting married, getting divorced. Yeah, IBM. (laughs) I've been moved. Being married, being divorced, losing a parent. And financially, I was confident. So that was my calling. And so when I knew when I discovered financial therapy a few years ago, this is what I wanted to do. And I went and I got certified through Kansas State. They have a program, a graduate certificate in financial therapy. And then I went and got certified through the Financial Therapy Association to become one of 30 certified financial therapists in the world. And now I have clients all across the globe. I work with corporations doing financial wellness. I work with individuals and I work with couples because we both come to the table with very different backgrounds, experiences, and even religion plays a role here. Yes. And I love that financial confidence and any listeners, if you held on to one thing, what I held on to is parents teach your children about money. Parents teach your kids about money. Careful. How or what they're teaching you. Also, people are teaching (laughs) bankruptcy is okay. Credit card debt is normal versus this is how you set up a proper budget 50% needs, 30% wants, 20% savings. You pay your taxes on time. Often, parents shield you from all of this because they think they're doing something helpful. But when you turn 18, 19, and go out in the real world, it's not helpful because all of a sudden there's expectations on you and you don't have a skill set. A recent survey showed that out of 2000 people, 81% said they were taught not to talk about money, but didn't know why. So we're having majority of the population not talking about a skill they know nothing about and no resources to get it. 
gosh, no wonder why confidence and anxiety and stress are leading issues around emotions with money. Oh, and that sort of leads into it because I don't know why that is, but it's true. Like you didn't talk about much, but you definitely didn't talk about money. And it was almost rude to bring that, that up in conversation. How does all of what we just talked about work into the mission that you created at your financial therapist? And how do you sort of envision financial therapy? And you know, what impact we've had a 15 minute conversation listeners, and I feel like I already learned so much. So talk, talk to us a little bit about the impact that you're making and that you, I would say hope to make, I already know you're making it. Yeah. I would love to talk more with you because we were off to a great conversation mm. and we'll probably get to some of this in our call today. So what is the impact that I want to make? The impact that I, that I am making with people is that it's okay to talk about money. It's not that it's okay. You need an outlet because when we look at finances, it's part of our wellness wheel. So draw a circle of your wellness wheel around your body and around it, what you're going to find is nutrition, exercise, spirituality, relationships, career, financial is on there. And if you look at the rest of the circle, there's so many avenues for resources, for support, for conversations, for brainstorming. When we come to the financial piece, nobody wants to touch it. But what happens is if any of those are out of whack or off kilter, it leads to health issues. It leads to that stress. It leads to the anxiety. And it shows up in weird places like insomnia, when you're tossing and turning at night or crazy dreams or also um, backache, ulcers, chest pains. And it, then it goes into the workplace. You're irritable. You didn't sleep last night. You're stressed over money. Your relationships with your family and friends might change over this. So now you're having physical impacts to you, but you also have emotional impacts as well. And also it affects your company's bottom line because you're not as productive or the credit card company is calling you or you're doing banking on business time. It's just a snowball effect. So if you take anything out of this conversation is don't keep it all bottled up, is find somebody to talk to. If that's a financial therapist, amazing. If that's your partner, or a friend or a coworker, or mentor, an aunt, an uncle, find somebody to start the conversations with. Oh, I love that. And I think it can probably even be both. I want to dive down in there because it's like you would give, you know, the people you work with the tools, right? And without the right tools, maybe the conversations won't be as impactful because like you said, every single person has their own feelings. So I feel like that's where it's, let's use all the tools in our belt and have someone like you come in, hire you to say, okay, how do I move forward and build that confidence? Even going in your website, just floored at the things that I had never thought of. And then, but really wouldn't know where to begin with it. And I think that's just amazing part that you're able to work with people and couples and put them on that right path. Yeah. One example I do of that is going out to eat. So <laughs> I know you just get, what? Okay. So how about this? You and I go out for dinner. You order the steak. I get two glasses of wine and we invite the third person and our third friend just gets a cup of soup and a glass of water. The bill comes. What's your initial reaction? Uh, for me, that, that type of stuff, like 
I would panic and just be like, let's, I'll just, I'll probably, I probably just pay for it. <laughs> or I would just, that is a huge panic. I literally am like sweating with anxiety actually now just thinking about that. And it's just dinner. And so maybe the person with the cup of soup and water had itemized only $10 for that meal. And I got two glasses of wine. So I'm not thinking about price. We all come to that literally dinner table with different emotions and expectations and not a single person talks about it. The bill comes, we all get into our car or take our bus home, however we're getting home and we leave it with different emotions. Man, that was great to see Sally, but man, I don't think I'm going to go again because that costs me too much. Yeah. Or I'm so glad I picked up the whole bill. That just felt great. And you don't think about it, but all of a sudden you're sliding further into debt. And then I feel like too, with finances, when you don't want to talk about them, I've had a lot of, oh, this happened or that happened. And I'm sure that I'm in good company here with the listeners. Instead of hitting it head on, we're dealing it and talking to everyone, but the person we probably should just talk to in the beginning. Yeah. So that's an example of just where, di- where money shows up at a dinner. Yeah. So it shows up in every aspect of our life from the mm-hmm. cup of coffee in the morning to your to what your mortgage or your rent is and your retirement funds, of your vision of what you want to retire at. Yeah. Well, that's a lot. It, it is. My daughter's 20 and she said this to me the other day. I don't know the first thing about how to deal with money. She lives at home. She's, I don't know how I would learn to budget. It's wild. And I think here, the important thing, this is it's a skill that you can grow or look at it as a new hobby you're taking on. Because that makes it a little bit more fun and exciting. So over the pandemic, I was going to run. I live in South Florida. Let's get outside. Let's go for a run. I hated it. It was hard. It was difficult. And I remember turning the corner and there was this gazelle, this woman in her designer outfit, the visor. And she just looked like she breezed along. And I realized in that moment, oh my God. That's how people feel when they see me talk about money versus where they're starting. And just like any new hobby, it takes time and it's going to build stamina and you're going to need some encouragement along the way or make a few mistakes or trip. And that's okay. That's okay. Because you will get to the gazelle stage. Um, (laughs) For me, I realized running wasn't my thing. I ended up walking and doing a 60K walk for breast cancer a few months ago. So I modified it to work for me. And the same thing is going to happen with your relationship with money. I think that's great. And it flips to, like you said, building the confidence, it's a new hobby and then modifying it. Cause that, I think that's key to modifying to how it works with you or if you and your partner, whatever sort of situation. So talk to us a little bit more about the financial therapy, what it entails, and then the different sort of avenues, individuals, couples, and companies. So it's all... Financial therapy is very unique in its field. And there are ways that we could do this. We could do a blueprint of session one, session two, session three. This is how it flows. Tends to not work that way, at least with me, with my clients, when I'm working one-on-one. We talk about what's presenting. I'm going to do tools to review your past, to look at some financial, perhaps trauma or habits that you developed or that were passed down to you. We're going to look at how to grow those relationships and talk about maybe some of your fears, but also set some visions. And when I mean by visions, I mean like literal visions. Start using your senses when you talk about money. How does you know that gelato taste in Italy on that vacation you're going to take? And all of a sudden, when you start using your other senses and we start talking about money, we're no longer going to build a budget. We're going to build a yes plan. 
The mindset of a yes plan is yes, I can get out of debt. Yes, I can buy a car. Yes, I can go on that holiday to Italy is very different than a budget. And I compare it to diet versus a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. When you have a diet, it's short term and you are going to rebel. You and I both probably fit <laughs> diets. I can speak for myself yes. and I end up with more weight at the end than what I initially <laughs> intended. But when I make mm-hmm. lifestyle shifts, they last a few years or longer. And that's what I want to do when I work with clients is find the habits and the shifts that you can make that you're enjoying your life, but you're also meeting your goals. So by setting obtainable goals, by having a purpose and defining your mindset of why it's important to you, that's what I do in sessions with individuals. With couples, it's slightly different because we have to understand each other's why. You both are probably going to have different goals and objectives because you have different backgrounds, different experiences, different influences that you got to where you are today. So we'll spend a little bit more time understanding each other on that level because conversations that you probably missed on. And then from Mm -hmm. the corporate wellness piece, those are more, I make them interactive, but it's more workshop type work that are done in groups of 20 to 200 to 2000, depending on the platform. Wow. Oh my God. That is, that is, it's just so influential to me. You talk about the pandemic. I've been trying to become more self-aware and something that I've learned, again, I don't have the tools to figure out how to fix it. Spending money is like therapy. So if I have a bad day or if I feel like I've hurt someone or I've said something, I'll like, I'm just going to buy them something and it's going to make them feel better. I'm going to buy myself something and make myself feel better. So I'm a, t- I'm terrible listeners. And I've admitted that, but that's where it's like, for me, I love that now I've been introduced to you and someone who I could work with to say, okay, I understand this, but how do I fix it? And I think that's where I want to encourage people if you have that awareness, great. And if you don't, that's, I feel like that's something that you can get people to and then give them the tools. And it's all about having the tools so that we're all working towards a better wellness journey. So I just, it, I think that it's awesome that you're, we have you here and talking about this. And you can do it at any age, right? So that was my yeah. point of starting a new hobby, starting a relationship with starting or reuniting your relationship with money is at any age, you could do it because your relationship with money is literally going to last you to the day you die. And guess <laughs> what? It's going to haunt some people after you die if you don't get it right in the beginning. Oh, that's a thought. All right. And so, and this leads me to, and I'm actually going to purchase them because I was, I was like, said to my husband, we're going to get these cards and let's just have fun. We'll have a glass of wine and we'll go through them. I talked a little bit about you were the creative genius behind the let's talk about finances, baby, the financial wellness conversation cards. Tell us a little bit more about how they help individuals and couples reshape how they think about money. One of the feedback that I got from my clients was we don't even have to start the conversation. What questions do I even ask myself? Do I ask my partner? Do I ask my parents? I don't even know where to, where these questions would even come from. They're just not in my headspace. So all good ideas. I was at the bar and there was a couple next to me on their 10th anniversary doing table topic cards. And she said, we bring cards with us on every holiday because we get to learn more about each other. We're not just sitting at the table staring at one another. So my friends and I, we grab some and we start talking And I had the biggest aha moment. And I was like, this would be a great way to start normalizing the conversations, giving people prompts and questions to have these conversations. And that's where the idea was born. And now let's talk about finances, baby, is a deck of 50 questions that you could take to the bar 
or sit with a glass of wine with your husband or have it in a group setting, pick a card or two and see maybe if one of the questions is, do you feel worthy of the amount of money you make and have everybody go around the room? Do you feel we should support adult parents? Yeah, adult children or our parents moving forward. And some people are like, yes, culturally, that's what we do. And other people are like, absolutely not. My mom's a jerk and I would never give her a dime. But the reasoning behind it's important. If your culture is to give and your person that you're with isn't, it's going to be a big clash in your relationship. So these are all conversations that when they come to light and understand your why behind it. So one of the questions that I ask is, have you declared bankruptcy in the past? If so, what did you learn from it? Turning these conversations into positives because you had to learn something from it. If you're in debt, what are you doing to get out of it? Tell me. And if it's nothing, how can I support you? And that kind of really goes nicely into, you know, when we talk about, we've had a couple of financial guests on where we talk about budgeting and saving and investing, but really talk to us about how financial therapy differs from that traditional financial planning and counseling and going to talk to someone at the bank or something like that. And the follow-up to that is why is it important to address money management's emotional and psychological aspects? hundred percent. And that's why when I say financial therapy, they look at me. And in fact, over the weekend, somebody's, I'm going to, if I give you a million dollars, what are you going to do with it? I'm like, I'm going to give you that million dollars back. Like I'm not touching money. I'm working on strengthening your relationship, your emotions, your mindset, your habits. So that's where the difference is. I'm not interested in dollars and cents with the pencil. I'm interested in your dollars and cents, like your touch, your mm-hmm. brain waves, your sense of smell and taste. We were talking about the ice cream and the, the, the visuals. Those are the things that I want to help you with. And when you have a retirement goal, which is lovely to have, but if you don't have the passion and the why behind it, it's important for me to retire because I saw my parents struggle and I want to have a cottage home. And it's important for me because whatever, you fill in that blank and that's what we work on. And then I'm going to say to you, what color is that cottage? And you come back and you say, it's blue. And I ask you, who's cooking in that cottage? What's on the stove? What smells are coming in? And then when you have to make a decision of a $100 spend between the grocery store splurge on steaks, and I'm not saying don't eat steaks, but I'm just saying we all do the little splurge, oh, it's on sale, or let me get this. If you could take that same $100 when you walked out of the store and put that into that retirement account for that blue house with tomato sauce or gravy cooking, (laughs) it's very different. It's a lot easier to say no in the moment for that powerful vision of your yes plan. I love that. Like recently I was doing some investing and I feel like that really hits home for me because the bank, he helped me, let's move money. We're going to invest. We're going to put this much in. That part was easy, but it didn't get to the root cause of, I still have a a habit, (laughs) the habit of overspending. Traditional financial planners, advisors, accountants is the pencil, right? It's the dollars and cents. So they're not looking into what are you spending? What time of day are you spending? Is it after you see a certain family relative or triggers that you have? And those are the things that we work on is what are those emotional pulls and how do you shift? I'm all about shifting, not taking away. 
Oh, you told me like, oh, maybe I hurt a friend's feelings or something. I'm going to go buy her a gift. I wrote her a lovely handwritten letter or a card. Maybe even more impactful than a present and costs a lot less. So there's things that we can do with the same or even better because it's a little bit more mindful result without the spend there. And that's shifting your habits. Ah, shifting mindset. We talk about this at work, shifting mindset. I've had so many aha moments and listeners, again, you're going to have all of the show links to get to the website, you know, how to contact Erica. Again, she offers times where you can go in and you can have that conversation to, to see if that's fits and that kind of works. And I really encourage everyone to have that initial conversation because just talking about the surface and it's like an iceberg, right? There's just so much underneath, especially when it comes to this, which kind of brings me to what are the challenges or issues that you see with your clients regarding their relationship with money? And sort of what are the things that you're working on with them to overcome these? What I see and specifically with women is lack of confidence. We are generally raised in a home where money is not talked about or money is run by a man in the home. And then you go out into society, you get married. And also again, the expectation is the man's going to do the finances. I have a big, big shout out to give to everybody. They don't know anything differently than we know, but yet half my clients will hand over their money to their husband and they'll be like, he just does the finances. And I'm like, how's that working? And we start relating it. I have this one client, I was relating it to driving and he's in the driver's seat. You're just sitting passengers because yeah, his driving is really horrible too. Because I can't even, I can't even watch when he drives. I just keep my phone down. He doesn't listen to directions. He doesn't, I get blamed if it went wrong. And I said to her, have you ever thought about you driving? If he's a bad driver? No. Same situation in their finances. If he's not doing a great job at it, switch seats. And That's one thing is look at if you're in a relationship is look at who's doing the finances right now. Who's sitting in that driver's seat? Is it the right skill set? And if not, how do you both build that skill set? How do you work together? If you're flying solo, what skills do you need to fill that out? You're not you're kicking butt in your career. And I work with a lot of high profile people that are very successful in their career and they're embarrassed because they don't know how to do money. And oftentimes with lifestyle creep, they're in debt without even other people noticing because you're supposed to be at the country club or you're supposed to have that nice car and you're supposed to take all these vacations. But if you're not keeping an eye on your money, your lifestyle is becoming greater than your salary. Confidence in what you're doing is so important because once you're confident and in control, you're then able to make choices. And when you can choose what you want to do and where you want to put your energy and your money, game is totally different. You've leveled up. Confidence control and then linking that is, that's really stuck with me. And then obviously I would say, I'm sure all of your clients have had huge success because I feel like I know more and I feel like more confident just even having these conversations with you. So can you share some success stories or examples of how the financial therapy has helped individuals, couples, or companies have that transformation? It varies, right? It's such a personal journey with each person on their level of success. And for some people, it's just being able to open their bills. And I have some clients that 
just ignored everything and didn't want to open anything because if they did, they would be disappointed in themselves. So sometimes it's just working with somebody to understand that you can be in control and let me give you some controls. I've also worked with couples to say, let's communicate better and give them the prompts to talk about money because the earning differences, and this is an interesting, Forbes actually just posted something about women earners, men being the breadwinners versus women. And the numbers are shifting. It's increasing that women are breadwinners and it's decreasing that men are the breadwinners. So how do those conversations happen? It's a shift in society as well. And so all of these things are open dialogue. And we talk about so many things in our relationships. We'll talk about sex. We'll talk about religion. You'll talk about politics. But why are we so afraid to talk about money? And especially you're working, you have a career. It's an area that you want to protect and grow. So if you're not comfortable getting naked with your money in front of your partner, (laughs) then we got to talk. Yeah. And I think something I was reading the other day, it's like in a relationship, it's either infidel, it's money or infidelity. And, but there's also that level of money can be infidelity if there's people not being honest and this and that. And it is surprising because even for me, like I, I often struggle, like, how do I bring this up and how do we change this conversation? So you mentioned financial infidelity and it varies. I'll give you three examples of this. So as a kid growing up, My mom likes to go shopping. She's a discount shopper, but in bulk. It's so funny. (laughs) So she won't spend $100 on a nice shirt that will last forever, but she will buy $100 at a discount store. So so they're shopping bags. And so we would joke because we would leave them in the car until my dad would go to work the next day and then bring the shopping bags in. Here's the reality. My dad paid the bills. He saw the dollar amount. And by the way, he was very observant he noticed when we were wearing something new also yeah but later when I was in my career I realized that was a sign of financial infidelity she didn't want to disclose that we just went out shopping Mm. and then it goes up the scale where I have a client very predominant attorney who was borrowing money from family members and his wife did not know until years later another wife shared with him shared with her that $20,000 $20,000 was, hadn't been repaid and she was floored and she had no idea that was happening. So it can be something like that or credit card debt where you're hiding credit cards from your partner. And when that gets disclosed, yes, it's shameful. And yes, it's embarrassing. But if you don't disclose it, it's also harmful to your relationship because it is infidelity. Yeah. And I think it'd be interesting to look at the, the divorce rate, I think obviously it's still very high, but I think a lot of that really at the end of the day probably had come down to money. And if I could give a big shout out to women right now, because that's our focus here, is if you're thinking about getting divorced, if you have an inkling that you might get divorced, know your finances ahead of time. Start gathering that information, start getting in control because so many of my clients come to me afterwards and they say, I just didn't know. I didn't know that he had tanked the business. I didn't know that we had $100,000 in credit card debt. I just didn't know. Like there was always money in the bank and I just did what I wanted to do. So if you're thinking of any life change, adding a child to your family, getting a divorce, moving locations, buying a home is know where you are 
because that's so important as you move forward or make any transitions is start getting yourself in the driver's seat. Don't wait till afterwards. And that goes back to, I love the control and the confidence. If you don't have control, you're not going to have the confidence. I love that tip for people. Know that, know where that's all coming from. And again, I feel like every relationship's different, but from what I'm hearing, finances, it should be completely open. And I feel that's probably what a lot of people struggle with. So it's amazing that there's only 30 of you, but that there's 30 of you that are like leading the charge. So before we go, let's talk about how do you see the intersection of financial therapy with our healthcare industry? Like you said, particularly for women professionals, what unique challenges or opportunities are you seeing? And this can be, I would say our audience is very global, so we can keep a global perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Money is global. So that's, I have a global practice and all around the world, it's the same thing. People talk about money. If you talk to somebody in India, they'll say the same thing. It is taboo all around the world to have these conversations, which we need to fix. Yeah. Just like we're talking more about sex more openly and learning from one another and having a more open dialogue or about religion and politics and learning from one another. It's the same with money. We need to start having conversations. When it comes to women in healthcare, it's important because you're already aware that health has such a big impact on everything. Health has an impact on your money. Where we talk about health and wealth, they're totally at an intersection. Our healthcare is so important, but taking care of ourselves as a whole is important. Goes back to the wellness wheel. Taking care of your finances is just as important as going to a yoga class or a dance class or whatever it is that you get your exercise in or for a run. It's important. And if we neglect it, it's going to impact our health, which then will impact our wealth because we can't show up for work. You're not going to get promotions because you're stressed or anxious or showing up for missed meetings. It all comes together. So get in control of your finances, own your relationship know what's working for you, and then start building on what's not. So that way you can lead to a healthier and wealthier life. One thing that I do is I'll come back to the meditation piece is hand on heart, hand on head. And I just take a couple of deep breaths here. And I say, I am a wealthy woman. I am a wealthy woman. I am a wealthy woman. And what that reminds me of is it's not just dollar amount wealth. Our wealth comes from so many aspects. Think about your wellness wheel. Our wealth comes to happy kids, healthy kids. It comes back to spiritual relationships and career progression and overall health. So when you think about your wealth and you say, I'm bad with money, I'll never be wealthy. Rethink that because you are a wealthy woman. Oh, I love that. I had heard one at Mars. I am worthy of success. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to add that one in on my post-it notes. And I had just this odd thought, and I don't know if this is something we talked a lot in wellness about burnout. Is there, is there a financial burnout that you could be in that you don't even know? Is that something that is that you've seen or people just, or is that sort of when people are like, I just don't even want to look at those bills? Is that sort of manifesting like that? Yeah. So it's interesting. I wouldn't necessarily financial burnout, but there's also financial vigilance. 
And that's somebody who's looking at their finances five, six, seven, 10 times a day. It kind of goes differently from a daily habit of just checking your bank account to more addictive behavior of checking in on your finances, afraid to spend money. I know some of you as a spender, you're like, what do you mean you're afraid to spend money? (laughs) I have a client that hadn't bought jeans in five years because the thought of buying a pair of jeans brought her anxiety. And I have to say, after a few sessions, she wrote me and she's, I had a salad at the Ritz Carlton and I enjoyed it. And when the bill came, I signed it because I deserved it. It it was a big treat for me instead of being anxious when that bill came right back to food and bills. She was able to enjoy her hard work and live in that moment. So as much as we have spenders out there, we also have people who are vigilant and thrifty to think they're doing themselves well but they're actually depriving themselves sometimes of relationships and happiness because they're afraid to spend money. Oh, wow. And, and this is where, again, I think it's so amazing to have someone to be able to say, have those conversations because we all, like you said, with the different backgrounds have a different relationship with money. And I'm sure there's not one person probably listening to this. No, I'm perfect. I need nothing. But before we go for the rest of us, can you share some practical tips and strategies to help improve our financial well-being and mindset without giving too much away? Yes, of course. <laughs> Just for your listeners. Yeah. Um, for the tip is, it's really is understanding that you have a relationship with money. Also money's energy. So this is a pen. I'm holding up a pen. It's an object. Money, grab some cash here. It's an object. It's a thing. But yet it carries energy to services, to products, to relationships. So wherever you're putting your money, think about, is this where I want my energy going? Ooh, I like that. I'm writing this down, guys. Is this where I want my energy going? I'd like to think I'll ask myself that when I'm late night shopping on Instagram. It's not my fault, guys. It's Instagram. (laughs) With that, I actually do a session where I'll say how to shift some habits, which is remove auto pay on checkout. So if you have to get up to go get your credit card, you're not going to get up as often. Some people say, I'll just memorize the card. Okay, you got me. So maybe it's Wait 24 hours, put it in your cart and come back 24 hours later to buy it. There's all these little tips and tools because you do need to splurge once in a while. And when for those splurges, I call that for my sunshine fund. So I have a little sunshine fund that are for things are like, I want to get my nails done or buy a gift for my friend that I see that's so perfect. And I was at the farmer's market this weekend and they were hand carving drumsticks. My friend just bought a set of drums okay, from the sunshine fund, I spent the $20, I got them hand cars, budget for it, plan for it. And then you're not going to damage any of your finances, your health, your wealth by doing these little things. So that's my little sunshine fund. I love it. I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do like a sunshine fund. That is so fun. And I actually did. I wanted this board game. And I put it away and I said, if I still am thinking about this in 72 hours, I'm going to buy it. And I was, I'm so obsessed. So I'm like, nope, still thinking we're big board game addicts in this house. But I was like, no, nope, I'm going to get it. It's this probably where most of our sunshine fun goes. Yeah. But that's something that brings you joy. It does. Yes. 
and entertainment. So you're not spending it going to the movies or to a concert or something else. Like that makes sense if you use board games. I have a stack of board games. I have three kids. We never use them. Yeah. I mean, it's like rare for somebody to pull out a game and we probably pull out the same two games. So if I bought a board game, my kids would actually yell at me. They'd be like, wow, we don't need that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness. And I think that's where we're in recession in Canada. The housing prices are just out of this world. We're in this weird world and every single thing costs a lot of money, I feel. So it's like, how do you balance and how do you do all this? So I feel the economy that we're in now really is putting so many questions and barriers and things like that where, again, now without having any of these tools, what are we doing? See, so I flip it and I'm like, wow, it gives a great opportunity for us to start having some conversations because it impacts everybody right now. And I think for me, the pandemic really was a flip of a switch because everybody got impacted one way or the other, good or bad, but it leveled the playing field that money was a source of stress, conversation and actions that were needed. Cause all of a sudden you're adjusting. I have some clients that saved 30, 40, $50,000 the first year of the pandemic because they were able to shift their lifestyles. I have others that unfortunately had to go into debt, but had savings, had emergency funds. And now the idea of emergency funds, you have a why now. I don't want to live that again. Oh my gosh, definitely. And and I and just mentioning too, you're going to be on our upcoming financial webinar. So is there anything, so we give them a hint of what you're going to be talking about there. And I'm going to have the link in the show notes again for our webinar that's upcoming to make sure to register. It's for HBA and non-members. So anyone can register. It's very inexpensive. So that will all be in the show notes, but talk to us a little bit about what's going to be going on in the webinar from your perspective. Yeah. So the webinar I'm super excited about, I am doing a about a 10 minute talk on financial therapy. So we'll go over a few things we talked about today, but how to bring awareness, where your relationship might show up. How do you deal with when somebody's asking for money at, for a coworker gift, right? There's so many things that we didn't even touch on today that we can talk about setting boundaries and limitations, but also where do you want to say yes to and have your sunshine fun, right? All these little tidbits. We're going to try and condense 10 minutes. And then after that, we're opening up the floor and I have two additional guests coming on that are financial advisors. And the three of us are going to have a panel discussion about money, emotions, the current state across the globe of inflation and housing crisis and how money is impacting your investments, but also your mental health. Yeah. Guys, listeners, you're not going to want to miss this. I guarantee you make sure you go sign up for this. Make sure that we're all there for starting these conversations. You can continue the conversations through LinkedIn, through our HBA, but this is And actually, you know what, before we go, I read something in the Globe and Mail and it was about Canadians getting exhausted with tipping. And that Mm. you just made me think about it when it was like the colleague gift is I was at an event for the last week. And every time I bought something, it was like I bought a beer and it was 10, 15, 18. And then it started going 15, 18, 20, 25. I'm like, you just passed me a beer. And I feel like that is something that it's in the Globe and Mail. Sort of the article was like Canadians are just we've had it up to here with this, like having to tip. So I think that would be a question that I would definitely ask. What do you do with, cause you never know, you don't want to look cheap. 
but you're also it's like, fatigue. yeah, yeah it's yeah. real. It is real. Even, I agree with you. Even here where I am in Florida, you go to a fast food restaurant and they ask you the same thing. And so the way I was brought up is you tip for good service or for service. So your hairdresser, your waiter, things where people are serving you and providing good customer care, not for a fixed product or good. But that's changed because everybody's looking to, oh, for a way to get extra cash. And I agree. How does that impact your wallet? We want to be generous. Some people want to be generous. It's part of their giving b- belief, but it comes at an expense to yourself. And that would distract you from your beautiful blue cottage that you wanted. So how do you manage it all? I agree. Okay, let's add that question. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, Erica, for sharing your incredible insights on financial therapy with us today, your passion for helping others and your unique approach to reshaping the way that we're thinking about money. I know through this 45 minutes for our our 15 minute conversation before, I have been so impacted. And I think that when you think about financial wellness and you think about what you want in the future, to really be able to achieve that, you need those tools that I know that you would be able to prepare your clients to have and build that toolbox. So that's just fantastic. So thank you so much. Thank you. So for listeners, again, to learn more about Erica, go to her website at www.yourfinancialtherapist.com. Again, linked in the show notes. HBA community, don't forget to connect with HBA on LinkedIn, Twitter, and now Instagram for more valuable resources and opportunities to advance your career in healthcare. I hope you gained some valuable insights today, and I look forward to bringing you more inspiring guests every month. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Until next time.